Thanks, Jim. And thank you, Barbara. Um, we were we were going to have Daryl play and uh, call it Name That Tune, but um, Barbara can help. <laughs> you, ever, you ever play hide and seek as a kid? Yeah. Usually when something like this, somebody would get picked, they would be, they would be, you know, they would be the seeker and everybody else would run and hide and they'd do something like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ready or not, here I come. <laughs> you never do that though, do you, Mitchell? No, no, of course not. You just skip a few numbers in there sometimes. That ready or not phrase, that, that, that warning that whether you are ready or not, I'm coming to find you. It was a call to make sure you're well hidden so that you don't get caught. Whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time or you're just interested in what he has to say and you're still making up your mind about him, you need to know Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. That is guaranteed. And the question isn't if, but when. Actually, the question really is, are you ready or not? In our passage this morning, Christ gives us three parables that show us what will happen if we're ready. They also show us what will happen if we're not ready. Stand with me as we read from Luke chapter 12. We're going to read verses 35 through 40. We'll end up talking about verses 41 through 48 as well. But I want to focus our reading in Luke 12, 35 through 40. This is God's Word, and if you let it, it will change your life. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Father, help us to be wise, not to know all the particular details, but to be wise enough to be ready. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It doesn't take very long for you to learn that some things just come out of left field. They are completely unexpected. You, things happen and suddenly you find yourself in a place you've never been before. Uh, uh, can anybody say global shutdown? <laughs> a student walks into a classroom. Teacher says, put your books up. Pop quiz time. Those are your favorite words, James, huh? No, no. A person is walking along, they trip, they fall, and before they know it, they're arriving at the hospital in the back of an ambulance. A veteran comes home early from his duty to surprise his family. Some things good, some things bad, some things just come unexpectedly. But there's other things that you got plenty of warning about. It's that check engine light on your car that you've been ignoring for the last six months. It's that pain in your joints that's getting worse and worse and worse, but you keep putting off not not wanting to talk to the doctor about. It's, it's the downpour that you knew was coming, but you didn't prepare for. The second coming of Christ is one of those things that we can all be ready for. He doesn't hide the ball from us here, folks. This isn't a trick play. He tells us flat out. Look in verse 40. You must also be ready, 
For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. I mean, he outright tells us, I'm coming and you don't know when. Well, we may not know when. We do know that. We know he is coming. All the more reason that we need to be ready. And that's the point that Jesus is making as he teaches in Luke 12. Look at the initial command in verse 35. He says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. He's using two images here to connote the idea of readiness for his first century audience. Something that we kind of get, but not really. First, stay dressed for action. Do you remember Sunday school a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, learning about the armor of God? Do you remember the belt on the armor? Ephesians 6.14. I use the King James because of the specific wording here. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. That's your belt fastened so that your robe doesn't trip you up. Right? Stay dressed. Be ready to go. I, I think of uh, during, during the Revolutionary War, there were men called Minutemen. They could be ready to fight in a minute. Many of them stayed dressed all hours, day and night, to make sure that all they had to do was grab their musket and go. They were Minutemen, always ready. I think about the Coast Guard motto, Semper Parts is always prepared, ready to go. Doesn't matter what the threat is, we're ready. That attitude of readiness, that, that being dressed. The, there's another scriptural example that you may not have thought of, um, but it, it's, go back to Exodus. The Israelites are in Egypt. They are about to be delivered. It is just before the plague of the Passover. The, the one where the angel of death comes and takes away the firstborn of all the Egyptians. God gives special provision for Israel on how not to lose your firstborn. And in the process of that, he's saying, you're going to eat a meal tonight, but you're going to eat it differently. Listen to Exodus 12, 11. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This was not a meal to be savored, but a meal to be scarfed. Why? Because Pharaoh, any moment now, could say, get out. And you don't stay long enough for Pharaoh to change his mind. God knew they needed to be ready at a moment's notice. I'm going to switch to this one. Will you, will you pull down the handheld just a bit? Thank you. Daryl, we're going to have to have a talk. All right. That should be okay. It should be the third. Okay. All right. There we go. Any moment now, the call can come, and you need to be ready. The first image, staying dressed. The second image is of keeping your lamps burning. There were different kinds of oil lamps in that day, but the most common type looked like a saucer, except the end was pinched, and you would stick a wick or some sort of flax or something in there um, to soak up the olive oil and, and to carry the flame. But most of them could hold enough oil that you didn't have to refill it during the night. You could, you could just fill it up once, put it on its stand, and then you really wouldn't have to mess with the oil, but you would have to trim the wick. And so a housewife or somebody, a servant, somebody would get up several times a night to trim the lamp. 
aren't you glad we can just flip a switch? A lot easier that way. But the point of that lamp was that if, you, if it's dark, it's dark. You can't see anything. There's danger in the dark. You're, you're liable for someone to come into your house and hurt you in the dark. You're liable to hurt yourself in the dark. Anybody ever step on a Lego or hit a coffee table with their little toe? You, yeah, trip over something. I mean, I mean, it's dangerous in the dark. You need some sort of light so that you can see where you are, what you're doing. Right? That was the point of this lamp. The point of this lamp is to have light ready at all times just in case somebody needed it. Always ready. And Jesus gives us the first parable of verses 36 through 38. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. These servants are ready and waiting. They're not, they're not, they're not, they don't have a lookout. It's not like kids in a, in a classroom when the teacher's out and they're all, you know, but somebody's looking, a teacher's coming, everybody sit down. It's not like that. They are waiting. Ready. For a moment's notice. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what time it is, day or night. It doesn't matter how late it is, how early it is. It doesn't matter. They are to be always ready for their master to come back. And interestingly enough, there are some benefits for these servants. First, it says in verse 36, blessed are those servants. That's the same blessed that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It's that same sort of blessing that is upon the person living like God's way. But it's the same kind of blessing for those ready servants. It's that same idea. What he's saying here is, by the way, and that's no accident, that's on purpose. Christ is showing us through the story that there is a blessing, there is a happiness that is derived from being found ready at the Master's return. Talking about being ready for Christ's return, Paul tells the, the Thessalonian believers in 1 Thessalonians 5.9, For God has not destined us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the fact that when God returns, it could be at any time, we are always to be ready because we know the end result is our salvation and not our doom. How do we know that? Because we know Him. He's the Master. And when we make ourselves ready, then his coming is a blessing. That blessing of eternal destiny in and through Jesus Christ belongs to us because of Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Christ made us co-heirs with the promises of God, including the promise of eternity with him in heaven. Are you ready, church? Okay, one. Are you ready, church? Are you really ready? Then be ready. Make yourself ready. Wait for him with expectancy. Sit on the edge of your seat, ready to jump as soon as that door knocks. I picture someone who's waiting for mama to come home, and they're constantly looking out the window. Is mama here? Is mama here? 
Is mama here? That kind of expectancy. Be ready. There's another reward for the ready servant. It's also in verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service. And have them recline at the table. And he will come and serve them. This master is so overjoyed that the, the readiness of his servants that he becomes their servant. Now, this would have been preposterous in the first century mindset. But not in God's economy. I mean, after all, this is the same one who said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give him his life as a ransom for many. When the servants are ready to serve their master, they're just imitating the master. When we are ready, when we are prepared, when we are ready at a moment's notice for his return, we are just emulating his readiness, his service. That takes discipline and expectancy that, frankly, many don't have. Many, and by that I mean all of us at some point, just aren't ready. I get it. You might feel like life has thrown you into an avalanche. You're tumbling down a mountain. You don't even know which way is up anymore. I get that. I've been there. We cannot, we cannot let all the distractions of the immediate make us lose focus on the eternal. We cannot allow today's fires to distract us from tomorrow's s'mores. We gotta be ready, always ready. But know this, verse 39, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. There's a second parable here. He, he switches the parables. The first parable is about servants ready for the master to come. This one's about a master who is ready for the thief to come. Not only are we to be ready for the greatness of his appearing, we're also to be ready for the terror of his appearing. You see, you see, this, this appearing of Christ is two different things. It is really, really good to those who are ready, but it's really, really bad to those who aren't. You see, when he comes again, it will not be good news of great joy for all people. When he comes again, for some, it's the coming of a thief. It's the coming that's unexpected in a bad way. It's the coming that spells destruction. Tonight we're going to talk in Revelation 14 about three angels calling out and they are going to call out the judgment of God upon the earth. He is not just coming back to be friends with everybody. He's coming back to reign. And so if you're not ready, this is not good news. If you, let's say you got a letter in your mailbox. To whom it may concern. On the evening of Saturday, May 30th, at approximately 9 p.m., we are going to break into your house. We're going to steal your jewelry and your television and your computers and anything else that we find valuable. Sincerely, robbers. Just a show of hands. How many of you would think, oh, that's nice. I really didn't want all this stuff anyway. I'll leave it out on the front porch so they can just take it. Okay. How many of you would say, all right, I'll see you then, with guns loaded, <laughs> maybe some neighbors on hand, maybe depending on your connections, maybe you got some police officers ready to go. If you knew when your house was going to get broken into, you very well would be ready for it, right? 
We know Christ is coming. We got no excuse if we ain't ready. Now, there are some folks that don't know he's coming. They need to know. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for he says, in a favorable time I listen to you. He's quoting from Isaiah. And in a day of salvation I have helped you. Then Paul says, behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. What he's saying is get ready before it's too late. Oh, I wish we would heed the warnings. I wish we would be ready for his return, that we would clean out the filth that's in the nooks and crannies of our hearts. I wish that we would keep our lamps trimmed, full of oil, burning, ready for, for that time when he comes. I wish that we would have our clothes on, standing at the ready, so that when that door knocks, when he comes back, when we see him, we are ready. But there's no doubt about it. There's no going back for something. There's no, I forgot to do this. We are completely and totally ready. I wish that I could say that every single person I know is ready for God's return. But the fact of the matter is there's too many of people who are not ready. And sadly, some of those folks are in church. Some of those folks are in churches all across the nation, all across the world. Some of those folks are watching online. Some of those folks are wherever they might happen to be. There's far too many people who are not ready. I wish we were ready. I wish we were ready. I wish that all of us could say with certainty, I'm ready for him to come back. As he's teaching this fact, this that he will return, and he will get ready. Paul, or Peter, excuse me, Peter's begins in his mind stop turning. He says, he asks a question, he says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Sometimes Jesus talks to a specific group of people. He will, he will be talking to a massive crowd, but then he'll turn to one group, and he'll direct right at them, and he'll say, all right, this is for you. Sometimes he'll talk to an individual. Sometimes it'll be a small group. Sometimes it'll be a larger group. But other things he says are for everybody. They're just they're out there. They're just broadcasted to the whole crowd. He who has ears, let him hear. Just just says it right out. So Peter asks, "Is this one of those things that everybody needs to know, or is this special for us?" I, I don't think Peter is trying to downplay what Jesus is saying. I think he's really honestly seeking the truth here. Is this something that matters for the whole crowd or are you pointing directly at us? He seems to recognize it applies to him. Or does it apply to them too? And Jesus, well, in true Jesus style, he asked Peter a question. Verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager who his master will set over his household to give them a portion of food at the proper time? The question is now turned from the readiness of the servant to the faithfulness of the servant to fulfill his calling. It's not just a matter of whether or not he can do the job. The faithful and wise servant has every resource at his disposal to be able to do it. The question isn't, can he? The question is, will he perform? Will he actually do what he's supposed to do? That's the point that Jesus is making toward Peter. Look, look what happens when he does perform. This is in verse 43 and 44. Blessed is that servant, saying blessed, 
who his master will find so dear when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. The one that is found faithful is the one that gets higher and more honorable service. You know, God delights in our faithfulness. And we find our delight in his delight. Like a child who feels valued when a teacher gives him an A or a, a player whose coach says, attaboy. So the servants of Christ find immeasurable joy in faithful service that ends in well done. I have to be honest. Streets of gold are nice and all. I couldn't care less about those. Heaven could be paved with asphalt. It doesn't matter to me. It could, it could be a dirt. It could just be all dirt. I don't care. But I want to hear those two words. I want to hear Christ staring at me saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Not all will, though. Not all will hear those words because not all will deserve those words. Not all who claim to follow Jesus really do. And they will be found out, verses 45 and 46. But if a servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him to pieces and put him with the unfaithful. The servant is slothful. Instead of being faithful, he abuses his authority. He misuses his master's possessions for his own benefit, for his own comfort and pleasure. You can't live for yourself and be ready for the master's return. I can serve God or I can serve me. You can serve God or you can serve you. But I'm going to tell you, both of us make terrible masters. Again, the question is not whether the servant can do the work. It's will he. Will he be faithful even if the master doesn't come for weeks, for months? for years, for decades, for centuries, for millennia. Will they continue to be faithful when the master seems to be far away? No sign of returning anytime soon? Will he be faithful? Finally, there's one more point to make about the unfaithful servants. Some, some will know his will. They'll sit in churches Sunday after Sunday. They'll hear the word of God taught and preached. They'll see it lived out before their eyes. But they're still not faithful servants of Jesus Christ. You see, see, it's all here, but it hadn't made its way into here or into here. Jesus has something to say about what they are due. Verse 47, And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. When you know what God expects it and you're not ready, you're not faithful, you get what you deserve. They knew the master required, they knew his expectations, and they didn't live up to it. But there are some servants who don't know as much, some who it's not as clear. Verse 48, but the one who did not know and that deserve, did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Isn't that much better? How many of you would rather have a light beating than a severe beating? Yeah. How many of you would rather have no beating? Yes. This person still did what was wrong. God doesn't make excuses for his sin. He still is punished. But, but then Jesus says the main point. 
the point that really needs to hit home with Peter, the point that, that he's really looking for. You see, he may have thought, I'm ready. I, already, I know Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I'm in good shape there. But what Peter, Peter needed to hear is that it's not just you being ready, having all the preparations done. It's you being faithfully serving God at that time. God really wants to see that you have the lamp burning. He wants to see that you are faithfully doing his work. And so Jesus says at the end of verse 48, everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. Now isn't that interesting? If you have a lot, a lot is expected of you. A manager has a lot higher job expectation than an employee. Much authority, much responsibility. An older child has much more responsibility than a younger child because they can handle more. And so it is in all of life. When God gives us much, and oh, has he given us much, he also requires much in return. We are called as God's children to be ready for his return and faithful in his work. God will hold us accountable. So are you ready? Or not? I'm going to be up here at the front. If you hear God speaking to you this morning, telling you that you're not ready, I'd love to help you be ready. I'd love to help you be ready by introducing you to the Savior. Even if you even if you already are saved and you're quote-unquote ready, you may not be ready. You might need to correct some things that are going wrong. You might need to be more faithful in your service. The altar is open up here. You can come pray. Pray at one of these pews up here. You can pray where you are. Whatever God is speaking to you this morning, whether you need to get ready or whether you need to be faithful, you do what he wants.